In Camden, we follow Detective Matthew Goodman in his routine investigations into the paranormal surrounding the town of Camden, Maine. I cannot prove that any of this is true, but I also cannot definitively say that it is not, in fact, possible. Episode 1. The Beginning. I've seen these cases too many times. It's not the first time that I've said this, but I don't want to rob you of a dramatic cliché. I thought about quitting, uh, but I'm pretty sure that the murders would probably just follow me and I wouldn't get paid to witness it. It's been roughly 15 years since I first picked up my badge and gun, and I've always been too late to use either of them. People here are usually too willing to answer questions and inquiries, and, you know, you, you never really get that chance to flash your badge, and the tight-lipped witness finally opens up and gives you the dirt uh, that you can't solve the case without. How do they even know I'm a detective? A murderer would need only to claim to be part of the department to find out where the hotspots are and all the local gossip. And based on the last several months, maybe he is, in fact, pursuing this angle. Eight. Eight murders in the last couple months. But it's not the quantity of the murders, it's the fashion. They make no sense. The, the victims have no connection and, and no relation and, and no common threads. Well, I say no common threads. This is slightly misleading. I'm not a superstitious person, but the human eye is built to behold the world and the brain is built to construct patterns of it. There have been markings... It sounds like a movie. I'm not one for the dramatics or hysteria, but these are becoming a tradition amongst the crime scenes. There have been representations of a sort of lizard-like figure at, at all eight of these crime scenes. I guess there is a correlation, though. I'll, I'll be damned if I truly understand it, even now. The Monitor Murders. It's catchy. Uh, a blogger coined the term based on leaked information about the lizard representations and its strange relation to the look of the monitor lizard, which is apparently native to Africa, Asia, and, and Oceania. And it's, it's stuck. And it being 2021, we've we just decided to roll with the moniker because it seemed useless to stand in the way of it. It would only provide the blogging with more fire if the police department seemed to be controlling the narrative. And then the calls began coming in. People reporting strange ritualistic events and possible killings. Inquiries were made, mind you, and officers were sent into these to respond to these reports and would find absolutely nothing amiss. Reaching back for callers would also yield no results. We can never track down the tips. 
It became a joke around the precinct. The guys would bet on what crazy event would be described next on the tip line. It's only a matter of time before I tackle some dumbass in a lizard costume on one of these calls. That was my buddy Joe. He's one of the few beat cops I knew, and he never had time for any nonsense. Joe had joined us from New York and had seen his fair share of shit. These teenagers better hope I don't catch them at the end of these calls, I swear. Erickson was a rather portly fellow, a slight hair over six feet, and as previously noted, he was not a fan of you know, the bullshit, as he re- would refer to it. No bodies, no murders, no witnesses. Why do we even show up to these calls, he would say. I agreed with Erickson at some point and had debated at one time whether I would even bother writing reports about the scene that we had visited anymore. It's just the way I felt. That is, until the bodies began to accompany the calls. Around two months prior, a woman had been found washed up along the banks and had been put en route. These things do happen on occasion, but this was markedly different. This woman had suffered a dismemberment of her left leg, with blood trailing all the way back to the shoreline. Some of the trail had begun to wash away with the tide, but a clear path had made its way. Uh, She hadn't been dumped. She had been alive, here in the sand. She had a knee-length beige dress and was wearing a short heel on the foot that remained. Her shoulder-length blonde hair was spread over her face as she lay lifeless in the sand. Uh, All I could do was stare. She appeared to be undisturbed. No signs of a struggle, no distinguishing marks. Heck, by her facial expression and position of her arms and hands, one might even be able to convince me that she had gone peacefully. I asked Joe when the call had come in and was told that due to our lack of responding, we were two hours late. As I combed the area, it appeared that the scene was relatively undisturbed. It it appeared as though there was no scene at all, except for the body. I could see Erickson on the side, handling something attached to the shoulder of her dress. And I inquired as to what he was messing around with. He had a strange look on his face. And... I looked at his hands, and he was holding a metal lizard pin that had been attached to her dress. I've lost so many of my memories in these two months, but I remember her name. Irene, Irene McCreary. She was a 20-something who had been working as a clerk at the time, and I remember the interview of the deceased's mother and father. Uh, Irene, of course, had been a perfect student and absolute role model of the community, but no one had any hint that she might be up to something that would lead to someone finding her dead. I had to ask them whether or not she'd been involved in any occult proceedings and Of course, I was assured that this could not have been a thing in Camden, which, of course, every victim's parents' answer is this. I had asked about the lizard pin found on the scene. 
I wanted to know if it was a family heirloom or if it had any personal significance to the victim. The father's eyes played it well. I I could see the absolute look of non-importance in his eyes, the look of someone feigning ignorance. But his wife's display did not have the same poker quality that her husband did. She tried to get words out before the words could come out. Her husband had already jumped in. Do you believe this is why she was killed, he'd asked me. I shuffled my papers a bit and placed them in a folder on the desk. We aren't ruling it out, I said. I can tell you that I don't find them on very many people, living or dead. I mean, if, if you have any idea where it could have come from, it could save me a lot of time in solving your daughter's murder. He had then assured me that he had no idea what the pen could possibly have meant, but the mother's downtrodden look had led me to believe that there was something being held from me. Nonetheless, it wasn't like I could hold them for anything. I had no doubt that they were not directly involved, so I was forced to let them go when my leads ran dry. George McCreary, the father, of course, was an owner of a large warehouse off the Maguntacook River, and he was a very prominent member of the community. That I would find out later. He had no real record to speak of, I mean, less than the usual teenage loitering and hijinks, but this led me to digging far into the dusty records at the station and realized that in 1995 he'd been involved with other young men at the time in an organization, the file says in quotes. This group was responsible for making the larger decisions within the town and came from all prominent families. I found a picture and shows a young George McCreary and several men in their early 20s. I found what would appear to be a hooded cloak of some kind. I have no idea what it means, how it's related, or why we have this at the station. I have no idea and no reason to see a significance other than record-keeping. All I know is that Joe's in that photo. I pray he's not involved in any of this. Camden is a podcast brought to you by The Mind of Jay Adante, written and performed by the man himself. Please subscribe and keep your ear to the ground for more episodes coming soon. Thank you for listening.